Welcome to Dear Wallflower, your podcast advice column where every week your hosts will answer a letter from listeners just like you, answering the big life questions facing today's women. Make sure to stick around for our weekly recommendations on books, movies, music, lifestyle, beauty, and more. We're so glad you're here. Grab a cup of tea and come on in. Welcome, dear listeners, to this episode of Dear Wallflower. I am your host, Kelia Clarkson. I am an actress, writer, filmmaker, and the editor-in-chief of Wallflower Journal. And with me today is my lovely co-host, Jessica Schroeder. I'm a writer and PhD candidate, a food blogger, tea drinker, and adjunct theology professor. I want to thank each of you for joining us wherever you might find yourself today, whether you are on your morning commute or folding some laundry or headed over to your favorite coffee shop. A couple of things before we get started on this episode. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a review. It really helps boost the podcast and get it in front of other people who might get something from it and enjoy it. And also, we would love to encourage you to send in your own letter to dearwallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. We would be honored to speak into the issues that you are facing today. All right, so we will get to this week's letter in just a few moments, but before we get started, Jessica, how was your week and what's going on in Jessica land? I have had a pretty good week. Thanks for asking. Um, came back early this this week from visiting my family, which was a lovely time, and thankfully no hitches and travel on the way back, and just you know jump back <laughs> into the work week partway in. So yeah, I feel like on the whole it was good, and um, concluded in just a lovely a lovely wine last night, like a bottle oh. of wine. So this may seem silly, like to. The, the part of my week that I'm reflecting on, but I had been so excited to get back to our local wine shop. <laughs> it had been a while since I um, had been there and I just thought, oh, got, grab a couple of bottles of something, you know, unique and fun and ask Daniel what he might be interested in, in me keeping an eye out for. And we're always interested in something from Northern Italy usually. And mm. lo and behold, I stumble upon one of my favorite wines from Northern Italy called Dolcetto. And, um, it was a little higher on the price point than what I was usually comfortable buying, but I thought this feels like a special, a special bottle. I didn't know much about it, but I thought it's from the region I I like. It's just this lovely grape. I'm just going to try it out. And I bring it up to, um, to purchase it at the register. And I find out that it's like this old couple, like in their eighties with this small little vineyard in Italy. And they just make such a beautiful wine without much, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like not a lot of interference in terms of like technology and that kind of thing. And it was Mm. so spectacular. It was just, it just made the night. I feel like it just made the night. So um, for any of you wine nerds out there, it had just this electric minerality. (laughs) It was alive. And there is Kelia's lovely neighbor. There's the buzzer. (laughs) You know what people, this is life. This is real life. Okay. I, so anyway, I can get, (laughs) I can get better at turning off my mic. I just didn't. Um, but I will get better at it, everyone, I, I promise. <laughs> and when you don't, this is real. So anyway. It's, it's authentic. <laughs> That's enough about um, my wine experience. But yes, I had a lovely, lovely um, weekend. You know, 
sometimes it's worth spending those few extra dollars on a a bottle of wine that you don't know about because you might discover your favorite new wine and then you can gift it to other people and it just creates this entire lovely thing. Um, yeah, it's been a really lovely week here. I mentioned uh, it was just absolutely divine, just so rich and wonderful. We never indulge like that, but it was definitely um, last week that we will have celebrated our, our three-year anniversary, which we did last night as of when we were recording this podcast. And um, we decided to just have a, an anniversary in. Normally we go out and, you know, have a, a fun dinner somewhere. We just decided to stay home and we got a huge pizza and split it. <laughs> and it was worth every single bite. Um, and then we had this box of chocolates that we also split, which worth it that time. Feasting. Um, Feasting has its purposes. Yeah, exactly. And there's another thing we enjoyed that I will be mentioning for our May We Suggest. So I'm going to save just a little bit uh, of what we did on our anniversary for our May We Suggest. Um, But anyway, you know, at this time of year, I tend to get pretty overwhelmed for the rest of the year, even though I really do love it, because there's just a lot that is out of the norm and a lot to prepare for and anticipate and a lot that needs to go right and well. And maybe some of the listeners feel this way too, but lately I have been trying to find the unpredictability of this time of year as exhilarating and invigorating instead of getting overwhelmed by everything that I don't know yet or and Mm -hmm. I'm still anticipating. Um, So if you too often find yourself getting overwhelmed and stressed at this time of year, I would love to encourage you to find the excitement in the unpredictability and find those pockets of rest throughout the holidays and just bask in the beauty of this time of year before it's gone because it it's very fleeting. <laughs> True. All right. Um, let's go ahead and move on to our letter for today. It covers a subject of desiring a have different views on, be it faith, politics, my career, or my relationship, seem to trigger arguments. I always see these holiday move close relationship with our family, but struggling to really connect with them. So here we go. Dear Wallflower, I am writing to you as the holidays are upon us, and of course, so are a bunch of family gatherings, which is also, I'm sorry, which is always a bit difficult for me. While I love my family and will always love them, since I've left home, I've grown up and changed a lot. And it's become easier for me to love them from afar. Whenever I go home to visit them, it seems like all the things we have these where the grown-up kid goes home and it's all warm and fuzzy. And while I always hope for that, it never ends up being that. I feel like my family expects me to be a past version of myself. And I'm not free to have different opinions from them. And so I always end up getting dragged into conversations that make me emotional and defensive, and I always end up saying something or acting in a way that I am not proud of, and this just makes me want to avoid them altogether. But I know staying away from them isn't a good long-term solution. Do you have any tips or thoughts on how to handle the holidays more healthily this year? One that's at least something like the cute holiday movies. Sincerely, fighting with my family. All right, Jessica, so what are your thoughts for our writer today? 
Well, I will start by saying to fighting with my family, you are definitely on the right track for wanting to find a good long-term solution that involves visiting your family and being a part of their lives. As someone who left the nest at age 18 and now living about a thousand miles from um, the home where I grew up, I can definitely relate to the notions that she expresses here. There is so much maturing that happens when we leave home for the first time and in all the years that follow. As much as the home where I grew up feels like home to me, I do tend to call Colorado my second home. And not just because I've spent roughly a decade here or because I love it like home, but also because I became my adult self here. As much as our family will always be tied to us in very significant ways, we all change over time. As she expresses, sometimes this can this kind of change can lead to feeling it lead to it feeling easier to, in her words, like love our family from afar. So I can definitely relate to moving away and feeling like in many ways I've I've become a different person. Like she says, she feels like she has too. And it can be difficult when we enter geographical and physical contexts that cause us to feel like our younger selves not to mention lumping any expectations we may feel our families are placing on us. When we aren't regularly in touch with our families outside of occasional visits like the holidays, it can be hard not to feel like we're being pulled between our present selves and our past selves. Part of bridging that gap is staying in touch more than just visiting for the holidays. Now, this doesn't solve any immediate struggles, but something I would urge fighting with my family uh, to consider going into the new year, kind of past these holidays then, is how else your family can be part of your life. Are there any ways that it would be appropriate and good to be in touch more that would help them to see you as you are now, not just as who you were? Having fond memories is a wonderful thing, but it sounds like you desire to be seen for who you are today, not a decade or two ago. To address her concerns about arguments that can arise based on differing views of faith, politics, career, and relationships, my advice is this. Be the example. If you hope to have others listen to you and respect you, even when you have different views, you have to be willing to lead by example. And I don't want to assume that you're not doing this. If you are, keep it up and take heart stay the course. Being the example doesn't guarantee that your family will give you the same respect and listening ear in return, but they will be more likely to than if you don't listen and show them respect. I don't know about you all, everyone who's listening, but I have very, quote, pushable buttons. Um, And often I think families like to get a rise out of those who have that quality. So if you tend to get riled up about things, recognize that there may be things said to you to that very purpose. Don't fall into the trap. (laughs) Rather, respond with grace and love. Or maybe don't respond at all. Uh, Use your best judgment to read each situation given who is present, what was said, etc. Overall, don't let your frustration lead your responses. If you need to take a few deep breaths before saying anything, take them. That extra time and the oxygen coming into your system will help to calm you down. Also, as much as your past experiences may be informing your concern about how conversations may go this time around, I would advise you not to expect things to go poorly. 
this might seem like a silly thing to relate to in terms of working in the kitchen, but when I'm doing something like flipping a pancake or transferring something from a baking pan onto a plate, if I imagine it going well, I am far more likely to succeed. But if I'm anxious and worried about it going poorly, then nine times out of 10, it will probably go poorly. Now, family dynamics between other people are not things that you have the same level of control over as you might over the flipping of a pancake. But I think the general concept is still relevant. Hope for things to go well and imagine that they could go well rather than expecting the worst. Your outlook will help to drive how you interact with your family. So give the gift of the best shot by giving into going into a t- the time together with a hopeful outlook. Now to balance what I just said, um, so that I don't sound like I'm just promoting the power of positive thinking, certainly involve God in this process. If you are a child of God, then the Holy Spirit lives within you and will guide you in wisdom. I often turn to the book of Proverbs when I feel concerned or convicted about my own speech habits or how I've been responding to the speech habits of others. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And verse 4 adds, A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness breaks the spirit. Seek to give soft responses and to use a gentle tongue. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you to control your tongue, and pray that your speech would be seasoned with grace. And remember that you will need to be willing to take a few blows. Often we contribute to arguments when we get defensive or try to self-justify. So sometimes avoiding conflict means being willing to be misunderstood. I know firsthand that this can be so painful. We all want to be known, seen, and heard, right? But sometimes the best response is to hold our tongues from saying what we really wish we could say. If others are not ready to receive your words, hold them until they are ready to be received. And I would also add, be willing to be the first to apologize and the first to forgive. If apologies and forgiveness are necessary, which they likely will be, even if just on a small scale, be willing to be quick to respond in these ways. Bringing things into the light can allow for healing rather than letting things fester in the darkness. Fighting with my family also mentions the tendency toward acting or speaking in a way she's not proud of. This certainly strikes a chord with me as well. Um, You know the saying, you're only as holy as you are in the home? I think we all probably know the truth of that firsthand. Uh, For many of us, visiting our childhood homes, or even if your family has moved locations, just being with the people that you were around during childhood, uh, these things can bring out the worst in us. And not just the worst, but even more immature versions of the worst of us. As painful as this experience is, and as much as we all have felt it and want to avoid it, it may be helpful uh, as a starting point to recognize that it is a common experience. Also, Even those who have great relationships with their family still struggle with this. We all do, and it's totally normal. So know that you're not alone in this. Don't let movies fool you. You live in the real world. So given these natural tendencies, and then with her overall question in mind, I want to suggest some strategies um, for her and for all of us to handle the holidays in a healthier way. So first, I would say know yourself. What are your weak points? 
Where do you tend to get triggered? What will you need over the course of your visit and how can you plan for that? As an introvert, I need time alone, otherwise I burn out and get irritable and cranky or just plain overwhelmed. Thankfully, as a morning lark, I tend to be the first one awake on visits to see my family. However, if I find that one of my parents gets up soon after I do, I might politely say that I would like to, some quiet time to pray or to read for a bit in another room and just you know, take myself a cup of tea and um, just sequester myself away for a little while, and that's okay. Um, sometimes we can make space midday as well. This could take the form of a walk outside, a trip to a nearby coffee shop or library, or simply just retiring to your guest room for a bit of rejuvenation. If your family is one that has a difficult time understanding the importance of, quote, getting away to recharge, you might even consider offering to run an errand on your own or some other way of helping out that would give you a chance to spend some time alone. Whether alone time is a need of yours or if something else comes to mind, consider what strategies you may be able to employ to help self-regulate and stay rooted during your visit. My second strategy is know others. So know yourself is the first one and then know others. Who are you going to see? How frequently will you be around various people? Who are the people that are the most frustrating or the most draining? Or which, and which individuals are those with whom that you can take refuge and fill back up again? I feel like taking stock in this way can both help you manage your expectations and help you to navigate the relational dynamics that are present with greater skill and greater tact. Third, I would say practice your responses. If you anticipate certain questions or topics coming up, consider in advance how you would like to respond. Simply thinking to yourself, I want to do better this time, will not deliver the results that you're hoping for. Trust me, I know. <laughs> I've tried the willpower. It doesn't work. <laughs> but having some idea of what you might say and rehearsing that in your mind or even saying it out loud to yourself if you're alone, um, this could be a great strategy for avoiding some of the stumbling blocks that have caused you strife in the past. Not that this is foolproof. In the words of Joe Fox from You've Got Mail, everyone says things they regret when they're stressed. It can be difficult to keep our cool when we feel provoked uh, to a less than healthy response. So again, while not foolproof, practicing responses ahead of time can at least help you head off some of the difficulties you can already foresee. Like planning according to the weather forecast, dress appropriately. It may rain or snow, and you may get a bit wetter than anticipated, but you'll be better off than having not prepared at all. And then fourth and finally, I say focus on what binds you all together as a family. You mentioned that there are a lot of topics that tend to cause tension or arguments. What are the things that you all enjoy? While I don't want to advocate the complete avoidance of any conflict or tension, I mean, some form of challenge or conflict is necessary for growth, right? Um, I do want to encourage you to consider what sort of conversation topics and activities you can suggest or introduce that would be more likely to bring the family together rather than cause division. Maybe this is a certain board game you all loved playing when you were younger. Maybe it's a favorite movie. Maybe there's a place in town you all love to visit together or a sport you enjoy watching together. Heck, maybe it's just something as simple as grabbing a box of donuts from the local bakery that you all love. Whatever it is, see how you might be able to encourage your family to bond through the little things that you all enjoy. 
While none of us can or will have a perfect family gathering during the holidays, I truly hope that this advice and these strategies can at least help to mitigate the amount of tension and strife each of us face. Fighting with my family, thank you for this honest question. I think we can all relate to it, and we all need time to prepare our hearts for the days ahead. May each of us listening be both humble enough and self-aware enough to take wise steps toward loving our families well this holiday season. Wow, these are all really, really wonderful thoughts and um, just wonderful advice all around, Jessica. I first want to let our writer know that feeling like this is totally normal. They are not alone in this predicament. I think when we have difficult families and challenging dynamics that we're always having to figure out how to navigate, it can often feel like every other family out there is perfect, just easy to be in, always the most loving, never frustrating. And as our writer pointed out, we get this idea from movies that show these beautiful families coming together and they are all so close and the best of friends. And for those of us who have a family that's really difficult for us, that can make us feel like our family is just, um, is just messed up. And that having a perfect family is possible, but it just didn't happen for us, that we weren't lucky enough. And the reality is that while some families are healthier and closer than others, there is no easy family. There is no family that is always perfectly getting along and has zero disagreements or heated moments. Every single family is essentially a group of imperfect people who each have their personality quirks and desires and needs. And sometimes they don't always jive. And I think once we're able to take a step back from idealizing every family that we are not in and filling in the blanks of what we believe their family life to be like based on what we feel ours lacks, we're better able to see our own family's issues as both normal and capable of improvement. And so another thing I want to make clear is that it's okay to change. It's natural. It's okay to grow up and grow out of ideas and dynamics and a personality. It's okay to leave the house and just become a different person. And it's okay to disagree with your family. It can be incredibly difficult, however, to grow up in a family that feels like you have to fall in line in order to be accepted and part of the pack. But it's good and necessary to come to your own conclusions and forge your own path and figure out what you, what you believe in and what you want from life. But the other side of that is oftentimes when we go through a lot of change, we want others to change with us because we think that our changes are good. And so, of course, we want others to come along with us, so we try to change them. But if they don't, if they resist, it can build resentment. And the first step of hoping that they will accept where you are right now is accepting them exactly where they are in their context, and also recognizing that they may never change. They may not become the person or people that we want or think would be better. Just as we have the agency to change, they have the agency not to. So I think a better approach here is to create and seek harmony. Because in every relationship we have, whether familial, platonic, or romantic, 
we will have things that we disagree about. And in some of those relationships, we'll find it easier to talk through our disagreements. We will be able to be much more upfront and honest and have good discussions about our differing opinions or decisions. But with some relationships, this is not as much of a reality. And I think when it comes to our family, at least in many circumstances, it's worth valuing harmony and togetherness over being right or explaining why they're wrong or convincing them to change with you. Oftentimes, it's a much better use of our time with our family to bond over what we do share in common, what we do love about them, because we can go out and find new friends or find a new significant other that we share more values with or connect better with, but we are given one family that we are raised with. Many of us will marry into another family and they'll become like a family to us, but our family that we are raised with is the only one of that kind for us. It's not quite recording yet. Okay, here we go. So I think another important thing to do is value what you were given by your family. It's easy to zero in on all that our parents did wrong and all the ways that they hurt us or how we just don't feel understood. And all of those things may be true. However, at a time of family gathering, I think it's in our best interest to train ourselves to focus on the good. And this is obviously all said with a family in mind that is simply challenging and frustrating and not abusive or unsafe for us to be around. But I will get into some practical tips here because our writer expressed being dragged into conversations and being led to say something that she regrets or act out in a way that she's not proud of. And let me be clear, we've all been there. And I think if we don't have practical ideas of how to navigate a difficult family interaction, we will always end up falling into the same trap. So I think it's important to talk about boundaries. It's okay and even necessary to set boundaries. It's okay to, when someone brings up a specific subject or asks you a particular question about your life that always leads to a fight or you just don't feel comfortable talking to them about, say, I don't want to talk about this. I don't think we should talk about this. I love you and I would rather talk about something else with you. At that point, the ball is in their court and it is up to them to hear and respect your boundaries. But the trick with setting boundaries is to do so lovingly and expressing that it's for the benefit of the relationship, not to shut someone out, but to allow the relationship to move forward. Another thought is figure out a specific way to take a breath that will help you. Take a solo walk, go listen to some music or pray. Know how to take time in yourself in a way that will actually calm you down and center you rather than go off and think about, well, they said this, so I'm going to go back and say that to them. That's what I should have said. That's how I could have won the argument. Actually think how to calm yourself down and center yourself and also know when to take time. Know what your triggers are. Know what will get you riled up and cause you to say something that you will regret. Know when it's necessary to go and take that breath. 
check in with yourself regularly and know what you are feeling, whether it's frustration, anxiety, or annoyance. When I've caught myself getting really annoyed or heated about something, I've found that it's helpful to literally name what I am feeling and ask myself, okay, how did we get here? What exactly led to this feeling? What am I actually annoyed about? Rather than allowing myself and my emotions to continue building on top of each other until there is an eruption. And I actually imagine a second me emerging from myself and looking at myself in the eye and going, hey, what's going on right now? Why are we upset? And this has made it so much easier for me to take my emotions down a notch, take my thoughts captive, and take a breath. Um, All of that being said, I want to applaud you for wanting to make your interactions with your family better. This is often the first step, wanting to. So I'm really glad that's where you are. Families, even the really wonderful and healthy ones, will always have their difficulties. So try not to feel too down on your own family this holiday season. Try to love them where they are without compromising where you are. and set boundaries lovingly. It can get better. All right. And now it is time for the segment of the podcast called May We Suggest, where we suggest to you the things that we have been reading, watching, eating, or wearing this week that just made us really happy. Everything we suggest will be linked in the description of the episode for you to check out. So, Jessica, what is your suggestion this week? I would like to suggest my favorite decaffeinated tea. Um, it wasn't just this last week, but it pre- probably pretty much every week, every day, I drink this. Um, so whether or not you need to reduce your caffeine intake, or maybe if you simply want to have some black tea around to drink in the late afternoon or with dessert, I highly recommend Harney and Sons Loose Leaf Black teas that are decaffeinated. Um, if you're a purist, I recommend the decaf Assam and the decaf Ceylon. They're both lovely. And if you're a little bit of a nerd, as far as the process of decaffeination goes, they use the carbon dioxide method, which avoids using scary chemicals. And uh, it also doesn't you, it doesn't steep the leaves in water, which would remove a lot of the flavor. So there's a lot of flavor in this decaf tea, and it doesn't have all the scary chemicals that you might find in some other ones. So Lastly, if you buy it in bulk, you get a great bang for your buck. So Harney and Sons decaf black tea. Mm, That sounds lovely, especially this time of year. Mm. So my suggestion this week is the 1995 version of the movie Sabrina with Julia Ormond, Harrison Ford, and Greg Kinnear. So my husband, Nathan, and I, really, it is. My husband Nathan and I watched this on our anniversary night, and it, it, we just had the most fun. Um, I grew up watching this movie also about a thousand times. Finds herself and thinking back, like this is, and I have to say, this movie does not get old for me. It's romantic, it's sweet, it's whimsical, it's funny. And for those who haven't seen it, it's about a young woman who is the chauffeur's daughter for a very wealthy family in New York. And she grew up being in love from afar with one of the sons of the family. And she goes off to Paris and she finds definitely what started my love for Paris. (laughs) But she comes back and she's this brand new person. And she ends up finding love in a very unlikely place. 
And I just always really connected with this character who's very unsure of herself, but has a lot of dreams and desires. And this movie is really, really wonderful to watch on a girl's night or even a romantic night with your significant other. And Julia Ormond, who plays Sabrina, is just so elegant and lovely in it. And side warning, she has this adorable short haircut in the movie that may make you want to follow suit and chop all of your hair off. Um, it's full of 90s charm that is bound to make you a little bit nostalgic if you were also around at that time, and I just highly recommend. To wrap up this episode, before we go, Jessica, how can listeners get in contact with you and check out what you are up to? Listeners can find me on my food and lifestyle blog, thisrealjourney.com, and on Instagram at Jessica J. Schroeder. If you want to get in contact with me, you can search my name on any of the socials and reach out. And of course, please check out Wallflower Journal, where we have new articles coming out every week about relationships, beauty, recipes, personal stories, and so much more. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Dear Wallflower today. If you have a question you'd like answered, you can send your letter to dearwallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. Every letter we read will be kept totally anonymous. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.